a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in to the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes Insider, Trevor Allen. Again, so grateful to have you along on another edition of the podcast. It's game week. Yes, we are taping this on Sunday, November 1st, and that means we are less than a week away from watching Utah football as they will take on the Arizona Wildcats at 2 p.m. Mountain Time on ESPNU on Saturday, November 7th at Rice-Eccles Stadium. And KSL Sports will be there at Rice-Eccles Stadium, and it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be weird without fans, but I'm really looking forward to having some football back with the Utes and the Pac-12. Uh, coming up on today's show, we'll, we'll play back some sound from fall camp as it wrapped up on Friday. But uh, also, I want to tell you guys some, some of the true freshmen to watch out for as they have been highly talked about, and, and it's been a big storyline throughout fall camp, is getting these guys ready to go. But first, let's, let's get into some uh, Utah football news and also some basketball. There's a little bit sprinkled in there for basketball as well, and we'll start with hoops, in that the uh, basketball team is not going to be playing in the Crossover Classic in South Dakota. Due to COVID-19 concerns, there's a spike in cases in South Dakota, so therefore the Utes have pulled out of the crossover classic. That means they will not open up the season on November 25th against Creighton. We'll have to see who they open up against when their non-conference and conference schedules are released, hopefully within the next week. I mean, we're about, you know, 24 days away from when they're allowed to start playing. You would think that they would have a schedule by now. And even the Pac-12 doesn't have a schedule out for even the uh, conference slate. So that means Utah will will miss an opportunity to play a very quality team in Creighton, Dayton, Memphis, Ohio State, Texas A&M, West Virginia, and Wichita State were the other teams that were in that field. And so uh, Utah will miss out on that. Utah football picks up another commitment in their 2021 class as Georgia safety Cole Bishop verbally committed to Utah on Saturday. He announced his, his choice on Twitter. Now, Bishop is a three-star prospect from Stars Mill High School in Fayetteville, Georgia. He's a 69th-ranked recruit in the state of Georgia, and the 24-7 sports composite lists him as an outside linebacker, although his Twitter account and his background is at safety, but he is the number 47-ranked outside linebacker in the country. So it sounds like he's more of a hybrid, and that could very well play both linebacker and safety. Other than Utah, Bishop had offers from Duke, Air Force, Appalachian State, 
Boston College, Buffalo, Coastal Carolina, Dartmouth, FIU, Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Liberty, Michigan State, Samford, Stanford, Vanderbilt, and Virginia. And he is the 13th player to verbally commit to Utah in this 2021 class. All right, now it's time to hear from head coach Kyle Whittingham, who spoke with the media in the final media availability of fall camp on Friday. Hey, Kyle, I know you're not going to tell us who the starter is, but uh, how hard was it to choose your, your starting quarterback? Tough decision, but there was an up separation. That, uh, it was, uh, I don't want to say obvious, but it was, it was uh, apparent that uh, one had outperformed the other two. And so uh, it wasn't a case where uh, we had none of the three performing at the level we needed to because all three were performing very well, but one of them had separated himself and, and uh, enough separation where it was pretty unanimous as far as the coaching staff as to as to uh, what direction we were going to go. Now, Andy, Andy obviously has the uh, the most say. Well, I, I guess I would have the most say, but, but Andy uh, has, uh, you know, I really trust Andy and rely on him and lean on him uh, for those decisions, and, and we were in the same camp on this one. Hey, Coach, how are you doing this morning? Good, thank you. So you talked about, you know, all camp, about how the offense is beginning to thrive and the defense still has work to do. Are you happy with the progress you've seen this week, especially now leading into next week, which is it's game prep week, it's time? Right, and the answer is, yeah, the short answer is yes. Defense has taken strides this week. But uh, as we've known from the onset, there's, what, nine guys that we playing for us that have played virtually no Division One football of any significance and so it's been a, a process getting them up to speed we're still not where we need to be but the last few days have been very encouraging and uh we're gonna have to you know these guys are gonna have to play their way into uh a i don't want to say a comfort level but it is going to be a a uh, a period of time where they're just gonna have to get comfortable in a game situation we're doing the best we can to to simulate a game situation and put them in a lot of live work, but there's nothing really that can replicate an actual game and what it's going to be like. And so we're just trying to, to prep them as best we can. And then they're just going to have to settle in and get used to the speed of the game uh, when the season starts, if that makes sense. Hey, Coach, uh, we spoke with a few of, of your freshman players this morning. Is there a common thread uh, amongst those guys that draws you to them that you want to bring them into the program? Talent is, is the common thread with that class. We, and I think that's a big reason, particularly on defense, that we were able to land a bunch of those guys is because of the what we were just talking about, the departure of nine starters and, and virtually every one of those guys in the NFL, I believe. Uh, is that right, Paul? I think so. But anyway, that, that created opportunity for this recruiting class, and that was a big selling point for a lot of these uh, freshmen is, hey, these guys are all gone. There's a great opportunity for, for young guys to come in and play right away. And uh, I think that uh, was a big reason why we were able to attract and land so many of those uh, quality recruits on the defensive side. We're thrilled with the offensive guys as well, but, but I think that really helped us out uh, with this recruiting class, the opportunity that presented itself with the uh, departing guys. Kyle, with, um, with Tuesday, election day being um, a mandatory day off, how does that alter what you guys are trying to accomplish during the week leading up to Arizona? Not a big deal because we've uh, been uh, scheduling and, and preparing for that as far as 
how we're structuring each practice to uh, compensate for that. And so what we'll do is we'll finish out this week, uh, a lighter day today, a heavy day tomorrow. Uh, the players will have Sunday off. And then we'll go ahead and have a heavy day on Monday, which would have been on a Tuesday. Monday would have been a light day uh, in a game week prep. And so essentially we're just swapping out uh, our heavy practice on Tuesday to Monday. Then Tuesday, obviously nothing will go on. Then Wednesday will be a typical Wednesday and we'll just lead right up into the game. So don't expect it to be a factor at all in uh, the entire conference or maybe even the country. I don't know how the whole country's handled, but the conference is all handling it the same way. So it's, it's uh, the same for Arizona and everybody else in the league. I'm sure they have the same approach that we do. And just a quick follow-up. As we sit here on Friday morning, is there any clarity um, on Dalton Kincaid yet? Yes, good point. He's, he's eligible. That was a, a huge positive. Found out, uh, I believe it was Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday afternoon, we found out that the NC2A had granted him eligibility. And that was big because he is a, a fine player and is going to be uh, in our plans uh, right away. Paul, just bear with me. Sorry. With Kincaid in now, you have three guys who you seem to like, seem to trust. Um, how do you kind of manage that now having, you know, three legitimate options at tight end? Yeah, Andy will do a great job managing that and already has as far as personnel groups and, and making sure that uh, we get the playmakers on the field and, and uh, get the ball to the right guys. And, and uh, there'll be several balls, uh, enough balls to go around uh, for, for all involved. And, and uh, we actually have four tight ends. You know, when you talk about Thomas Yasmin, who has made a ton of progress, uh, not, not only this camp, but ever since he got here. And uh, then we have Ali Montalolo, who's a guy that figures in there as well. So we, we feel we've got a, a great uh, stable of tight ends and we're going to maximize what they, you know, what each of them brings. And uh, so, yeah, we just continue to proceed. Hey, Coach. So you talked about the kicking battle a couple weeks ago. Is there any update and any clarity on the kicking game for Utah? Absolutely. The update is there is no clarity, and uh, we're still we're still trying to determine who the guy is. Uh, and it just it's like a, a great horse race. They're just jockeying for position. One will take a little bit of a lead, and the other one will nose by, and, and uh, which. It's not a concern because they're both kicking at a, at a high level and doing a good job. They're just so close that there's uh, no uh, separation yet. And, uh, you know, it's not like the quarterback position. But we got to see separation early, no, or not early, but uh, in advance of the game enough to, to you know, have them work with the ones, you know, the quarterback and so forth. The, the kicker's different. It's, you know, we could wait all the way up until game time, and it's not a big deal. You know, it's just a matter of, choosing the right guy, hopefully. And then if we choose a guy and he proves that he's uh, not really uh, able to do it under pressure, then we got options. And so we're not uh, concerned about it. It would be nice to know who the guy's going to be. Don't get me wrong, but but it's not imperative like quarterback or, or other positions. Thanks for your for your time today, Coach. Okay. Uh, looking back over the last couple of weeks for camp, what has been the biggest improvement for both the offense and the defense? Good question. I would say offensively, just the overall execution level. Um, early on, just like probably everyone in America, we're having some false starts and administrative penalties and a little bit of sloppy play. Everything's just tightened up. Uh, assignments are, are very solid, very few missed assignments, uh, very few mental errors. 
and so that's really offensively the uh, thing that you can see is everything just coming together and, and becoming a, uh, a well-oiled machine now we'll have to see where we are for sure we get in the game but but that's what you can see occurring in practice as, as we progress through defensively it's getting everyone on the same page like i said a hundred times there's guys that just uh, are brand new to this and so it's been a, a, a much more lengthy process and it's still an ongoing process with those guys to get everyone in sync everyone playing their gaps correctly everyone pattern reading and dropping them coverages correctly uh, techniques and fundamentals in the secondary correctly when you're working with uh, you know, almost exclusively sophomores and freshmen at the corner spot it's uh it's been challenging but uh like i said the talent is there it's just a matter of those, these guys getting settled in and gaining confidence Al, earlier we had jaron Kump. Xavier Carlton and Van Fillinger on. Uh, just talk about those guys and how they've uh, progressed throughout fall camp. Absolutely. Jaron Kump, start with him. We signed him, what, three years ago, went on a church mission, uh, got back just uh, just this year. Incredible physical specimen, 6'5 plus, probably closer to 6'6, 310 pounds, uh, very little body fat. I mean, the guy is just an incredibly fit human being and and uh, excellent feet, competitive, very smart, and uh, you're going to see a lot of him either in the starting lineup or in a rotation. He's a guy that that uh, has really impressed throughout this fall camp. Uh, incredible fitness level overall. Like I said, we run uh, gassers at the end of uh, <clears throat> some of the practices, and he is running at the same rate as the wide receivers at 310 pounds as far as the times that he's turning in for the gassers. So it's he's he's really a special kid and. Uh, be able to come off a church mission and be a true freshman and be at the level he is right now is is phenomenal. Uh, I think Van and X were the other two you mentioned, two outstanding freshman prospects. You're going to see these guys on the field uh, on, on uh, Saturday, week from tomorrow, and they they both got uh, great a great skill set uh, as far as their physical stature. You know, six four for Van and six six for uh, X, and they're both. 255, 260 right in that range and uh, have really progressed over the last four weeks since we've uh, been in pads, I guess, three weeks now. So, so very, very pleased with those guys. And, and like I said, those are two big time recruits, those guys, those last two, they had uh, a lot of options across the whole country and uh, we're fortunately decided to uh, stay home here at Utah. Coach, I assume you heard the news about Trevor Lawrence testing positive. How much do you reiterate to your players about the safety and the need, you know, to adhere to the protocols for the team? Only about 10 times a day. And uh, they hear it ad nauseum from us as coaches. They hear it from me every time we have a, a, a gathering of the entire team prior to practice, after practice. They hear it from their position coaches in their position meetings. They hear it from their coordinators in their unit meetings. It's a constant reminder and a constant, I don't want to say battle, but... Uh, because I, I believe our guys are doing a great job uh, keeping themselves out of harm's way. At least the test results will bear that out. And so it is something that we continually remind them of, harp on it, educate them, any new information we get. For example, the other day, someone, you know, there was something that if you eat out in a restaurant, you're twice as likely to, to get the virus than if you just eat at home. And they're just trying to continually educate them and uh, remind them to, uh, there's, this is a time for sacrifice. Now it's hard. These guys are college kids, and there's, it's a time in their lives where they should be having some social interaction and, and having a, 
you know, get together, but they can't do that. That's just part of the deal, the sacrifice that they're, they need to make to, uh, to uh, accomplish something that uh, they're all striving for, and that's uh, trying to win football games. There you go. That was head coach Kyle Whittingham. Some uh, things stood out about that, but we'll, we'll get into that, and I think we're going to get more answers. We're not going to get the quarterback answer, by the way, on Monday. I'm going to put that out there right now. I don't think we're going to get an answer until the guy trots out onto the field for the first drive on offense on Saturday. But is it going to be Jake Bentley? Is it going to be Cam Rising? Is it going to be Drew Lisk? Right now, I think a lot of us know that it's down to Jake Bentley and Cam Rising. I think we're all pretty safe to predict that. But then uh, something else that Kyle brought up was about some of the freshmen that are on the team that are going to be getting playing time. And I kind of want to go through each guy because I'm going to have a piece on this on Sunday um, over at kslsports.com that goes in depth on all of these guys who are going to be in line to play this year as true freshmen. And we'll, we'll start on offense. There's only two guys on offense that I think, or excuse me, three guys on offense that I think will get playing time as true freshmen. And the first one is a guy who has been highly talked about by Kyle Whittingham to the point where he's even talked about him potentially being a starter, but I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Uh, Whittingham's already said multiple times that they're going to be a running back by committee at least to start out the season, and then they're going to see if, if a guy throughout the season emerges to be the lead back. But Ty Jordan, he's been a guy who has really stood out to Kyle Whittingham and to, to the coaching staff. Um, He's in that mix right now to get playing time as a freshman. He's very short from what Whittingham has said. And, and having seen pictures uh, that, that Utah has sent the media from practice, he's a very short but very stout, very big guy. But he's also a 10-500-meter track guy. So he's very quick. There was a quote that uh, Whittingham said throughout camp that they need to find ways to get him the ball, which really says something. You know, Jordan's a... A, a kid out of out of Texas. He was signed as an all-purpose back out of Texas, uh, and he was a three-star prospect. So have him listed on 24-7 at 5'7", 183 pounds. But on Utah's site, which is obviously more a lot more reliable because they actually have the measurements compared to 24-7 doesn't update them, I don't think, when they're in college. But who knows? But I always go off of Utah's stuff when it comes to guys that are already on the team. And Utah has him listed as 5'7", 200. So he's, he's gained a few pounds since, since joining the Utes. There was one uh, piece of news that uh, came out, too, that Whittingham announced. Is that uh, tight end now moved over to wide receiver freshman Connor O'Toole is out for the season with an injury. And then a guy on the offensive line who I think is going to come in and he's probably not going to start, but he's definitely going to vie for playing time at both tackle positions, and that's Jaron Cump. He is back off of his mission from Harriman High School. He, w- he was part of the uh, 2018 class before going on his mission, and now he's back and enrolled. And Whittingham says that he is in such great shape that when they run gassers, he keeps up with the wide receivers. You guys heard Kyle Whittingham say that. Uh, when I when I played back his audio, so that's impressive. And the fact that he's over three hundred pounds and six six and just built to play this game. And then Money Parks is in is in the mix as well at wide receiver to get some playing time behind um, the other standouts: Britton Covey, Solomon Enos, Brian Thompson, 
you know, it really opened up some reps for Money Parks when Jalen Dixon decided to, to, to enter the uh, transfer portal and when Tyrone Young-Smith suffered a season-ending injury. And then the guys on defense, there's a ton of them. We'll go ahead and start on the uh, defensive line at the edge positions, Van Fillinger um, and Xavier Carlton. I'm going to package them together just because both of them are going to vie for playing time. And right now I have them both slated as backups to both Max Tupai and Mika Tafua. But I think when it's all said and done, I think that they're going to be getting a lot of playing time this year. Um, and these guys are, are the future of Utah football. If they're already standing out in camp in 2020, just imagine what they're going to look like in the next few years. This is going to be a very dangerous front. It is every year, but just the fact that you're bringing in some top-tier talent on your defensive line really says something. And then, and then you've got at tackle another guy who's back off of his mission, Tennessee Pututau. Whittingham said that he has really shown well uh, throughout camp and is a guy who is going to be among the mix to play. Obviously, you're going to give as much reps as possible to Viani Mawala and Hawati Pututau, as well as Pete Tatonga. But uh, Tennessee Pututau is going to get in the mix there as well. And then another freshman from Idaho, um, Tanoa Togiai. I know that uh, Whittingham really likes him as well, but he has missed some time due, due to some physical stuff during camp. Um, but he is a guy who will be in the mix, according to Kyle Whittingham. And then a guy who I'm really excited to see play this season, and that is Clark Phillips III, um, obviously is the highest-rated recruit that Utah's ever signed. He actually talked to the media earlier this week. You know, starting out in camp, he was getting reps at nickel. But then Whittingham decided, okay, we've got him comfortable with it, but we think that we could really benefit a lot by having him play on the outside and having Malone Mataele play nickel along with JT Broughton. Um, and so I think that when, when the game starts on Saturday, those are going to be your starting corners with Bronson Boyd in the mix as well to get some playing time. But Clark Phillips has already shown what he can do. I mean, in, in the uh, scrimmage, the second scrimmage last week, I guess two weeks ago, Utah posted a video of it, and he had a one-handed pick in the end zone, which is impressive. We obviously don't know who the quarterback was who, who, uh, who he, he picked off, but just to be doing that you know, in a, in a scrimmage and all that already just shows what his future is going to be, and that's very, very bright. And another guy who Whittingham has even compared to Chase Hansen is Nate Ritchie. And Nate is a guy who just is very physical, very smart, has a high IQ, and is just what they need at that safety position. And I think that Vontae Davis is going to start at, at one of the safety positions to start out. You already have R.J. Hubert, who's a guy who's going to be a shoe-in. But I think that by the end of the year, Nate Ritchie's going to be starting at safety. He will have started at safety and beat out Vontae Davis. That's just my opinion. And then also a guy who will be vying for backup time is Kamoi Latu. He is from Hawaii. Um, very physical guy and just exactly what you need at that safety position as well. I think that the uh, future with Nate Ritchie and Kamoi Latu at safety, do we want to compare him early on to Julian Blackman and Terrell Burgess? No, but you know, if everything pans out right, you're going to have guys like that. So that's... That's really great to see. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we get back, I posed a question on Twitter earlier this week, and I just kind of want to talk about it more in length. Um, 
because it was really interesting. I didn't think I'd get that much interaction just off of that one question. And yes, it is about the Pac-12. So we will talk about that when we get back. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. It's the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen. Man, I'm just excited for game week. Are you guys? Kyle Whittingham is going to hold his first press conference officially, and that's kind of what marks the beginning of the season every single year. Because that means camp's over. It's the first time he's talking since camp. That means you've got a game that week. We're ready to go. And we're going to have you covered wall-to-wall at kslsports.com. So make sure you're ready to go for game day by downloading the KSL Sports app because it's going to give you everything. It's going to give you the Crimson Corner podcast. It's going to give you all of the Utah Ute stories that are going to be posted onto the site all week long. You guys can find that in the Apple Store. You guys can find that in Google Play. Wherever you get your apps, It's download, just download it for free. It's the KSL Sports app. All right. I posed a question earlier this week, and it was very entertaining because of the interaction I got. I I was just sitting here, you know, I just got done writing a story about the Pac-12 signing a deal with a fish company as the official meat provider of the Pac-12. And that really sparked some people and really made them mad as far as Utah fans, Pac-12 fans, just because they're, they're signing all these deals, which, again, revenue for the conference is great. But if you're not going to address the other issues, that is going to be a problem. Here's what I did. So I asked the question. I just said, I know the laundry list is long. But if you could have the Pac-12 do one thing that improves the conference, what would it be? And I know it's hard to pick one. And I know all of you who are listening to this and have not read read the story yet are saying, fire Larry Scott. Be more specific than that because that is the obvious one. Everybody, you know, most people want him gone. And I think when it's all said and done, they're not going to renew his contract and we're going to be looking at a new and we're looking at a new commissioner. That's just my thoughts. I haven't had any sources or anything like that. Tell me uh, anything. Some of them were really entertaining. And I'm just going to read out some of these these tweets and then kind of react to them a little bit 
at Snowbound said, easy, hire a competent commissioner who will then fix issues two to 200 by simply doing their job. I know that, but the thing is, we have the commissioner now in Larry Scott. That's not changing, at least for the near future. His deal is up, I think. I think he's up for getting a new contract next year, next summer. But at least until then, we're going to have him because I think his buyout is way too much, and I don't think the conference wants to pay that, especially going through a pandemic. So while, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but you got to try and fix these things now. And I think if fans keep getting after it on, on social media, I know that some people within the conference office have Twitter accounts and are reading this stuff, but I don't think that Larry Scott has one, which I think in, on his part is very wise because he would just be getting absolutely hammered on Twitter by everybody just absolutely blasting him. Now, another one is uh, from at UteFan444 saying TV. That would fix most of the problems. It would get better recruits all around, more eyes for college football playoff and overall respect. It would improve officiating, which means more eyes, more, more scrutiny, therefore more desire to be better, not to mention more support from fans who actually watch. And yes, you're absolutely right. The fact that the Pac-12 network is not on DirecTV and we're, what, almost a decade into this thing? That is ridiculous. And not only that, now we're getting into that day and age where you've got digital streaming services. you got Hulu, Netflix. I mean, you guys have all seen the commercials of Hulu streaming live sports. You're also seeing YouTube TV. So why isn't it on there? If you want more eyes to be seen on your conference, at least the Pac-12 network stuff, have it stream if you're going to keep the Pac-12 networks. If not, bail on it and partner up with ESPN or CBS. And I know that there's a story out there from the Oregonian that the Pac-12 reached out to a bunch of different networks and they didn't want to partner up to have a conference-affiliated you know, network. I get that. But I think somebody out there will eventually want to bite on that. Maybe not right now, probably after the pandemic's over, but I think that it can get done. So at UteFan444, you're absolutely right. And then one of the KSL Sports TV producers and Sports Beat After Hour podcast host, Zach Hicken, chimed in saying, improve TV package, move conference headquarters to Las Vegas, and pay cuts for conference executives. Absolutely right. We know how much the rent is for the conference headquarters and for the Pac-12 networks to be in San Francisco, right in the heart of downtown, where it's one of the most expensive places to live in the entire country. I even put out an article about a month ago about the Pac-12 should move their, their headquarters to Salt Lake City, move it to Salt Lake City, move it to Las Vegas, move it to Portland, somewhere other than the Bay Area, because that is so expensive, and you're wasting so much money on rent when you can have it so much cheaper, and then guess what? You'll have more money. I know it sounds crazy, but you'd have more money to be able to people keep their jobs and things like that when you're paying rent upwards of half of what you're paying now. It still blows my mind that Larry Scott continues to pay that type of money on rent. And then another one is the uh, scheduling model at Utah underscore what what Chalau. I'm sorry if I botched that, but he, he gave me three things. One TV. Two eight-game schedule, which is like the SEC model, and also three uh, or two other Power Five conferences, and moving the conference headquarters. Now, I will say, I'm not against nine-game conference schedule, but if you're going to do it, the rest of the Power Five should do it. 
I think you need to get the Power 5 commissioners together. And you need to say, okay, we need to be together on this. Are we doing eight games or nine games? And then stick to it. Have it be the same. And then after that, then you can go into the whole non-conference ordeal where, you know, you have to schedule a certain strength of team in your non-conference to even it out and to make it easier for the college football playoff committee. But I know that Kyle Whittingham feels the exact same way that I do, whether it's eight or nine, just be together on it. All right, and then obviously some of the tweets were talking about better refs. I understand that. I mean, that's obviously a laughing hashtag, hashtag Pac-12 refs, um, which I know we're going to see a lot of this year. At Matt Jaquez tweeted at me saying, sign a relationship with a smaller conference to develop referees for promotions. I think that that's a good idea, especially with new football operations in place for the Pac-12, where they can now work on these guys, get them developed and ready to go. And I know that the conference has tried some things, but they haven't really done an overhaul, which is frankly needed. And then when I uh, put out this uh, tweet, some jokes came in as well, which is always good. I mean, humor's good. It is. Um, at Uteman underscore forever says getting a multi-year partnership with a bakery. So we have an official apple pie provider. This should have happened years ago. Can't wait any longer. He's absolutely right. Especially because, especially if this bakery company providing the apple pie is going to provide pie at every PAC 12 stadium in the press box for the media. Just saying, love me a slice of apple pie. People had a lot of laughs when that uh, seafood deal came across. People were saying that, didn't know that being the official meat and seafood providers of the Pac-12 was actually a thing. And then another joke was uh, by you, Yuowski by saying, get fans in California to care about college football again. Well, I know that there's not a lot of UCLA fans because it shows by their attendance in the Rose Bowl during the, during the season. I know that the Coliseum's getting more, more packed. But we're not going to be able to gauge that this year anyway because there are not going to be any fans allowed, which kind of sucks for a lot of the USC fans because this could be the year that they have a, you know, a special season. Depends on what happens, though. I've said this all along. This year is make or break for Clay Helton. If, if USC doesn't have a great season this year, Clay Helton's gone because they are so talented on offense, and I think that they have some good pieces on defense that they have a chance at making a run for the New Year's Six. And that would be a huge win for Utah if they can beat the Trojans at Rice-Eccles Stadium with or without fans coming up in just a couple of weeks. All right, well, that will do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Trevor A. Sports or at Trevor Allen KSL on Instagram. And then follow us at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And download the KSL Sports app. I'll say it again. It's great. Everything you need to support the Utes and to get caught up on everything going on regarding the Utes is right at your fingertips with the KSL Sports app. We'll have another podcast that will come out on Wednesday. We will catch up with someone who is who covers the Arizona Wildcats. And then we'll just be ramping up for game day. You guys will be uh, you guys will hear from Kyle Whittingham's press conference. I'll have that on this podcast and as well as a bunch of stories spread out throughout the week over at kslsports.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Talk to you on Wednesday. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.